Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Congratulations, our man Rod Babers. Our shutdown corner is now a daddy, and uh, he will be out today, and we'll let, find out when he wants to come back. That's uh, no rush, no rush. Um, so Nick Shuley is up in here. Nick, of course, the president of the Austin Music Movement, also founder of the Clark Field Creative, um, formerly known as the Clark Field Collective. And uh, so we're going to talk sports with Nick and uh, tales from Royal Ivy's wedding. I talk some music. I have a theory on this whole Zach Brown, uh, Zach Bryan phenomenon that's going on in music. And it's phenomenal. He's a uh, singer-songwriter out of Oklahoma. i got a, I got a theory we can kick around at some point in our four more hours of a Tuesday conversation. Ty Henderson is here as well. Um, so uh, we'll talk all the uh, the Monday night games from last night. Doubleheader, Eagles win, uh, Bengals win. Surprise a little bit that Joe Burrow went and played. He couldn't move much. It was pretty impressive to see Joe Burrow back there trying to protect that cap, but also lead his team. That was a tough move. His defense was the bigger factor in that game with the Bengals. Uh, beating the Rams last night. Uh, so we'll we'll have a look at those games. Also the big baseball, final week of the regular season. Astros and Rangers both get wins last night. And obviously we're talking Texas football with the big game with uh, Kansas coming up on Tuesday. Uh, and you were at a show last night. You and you're you're all over seeing music. I, I see some <laughs> live music. You're seeing some live music. You were at uh, Noah Khan last night. I was ACL I, taping. I keep missing these Monday night games because they keep doing the tapings on uh, on Monday night. So I was I was kind of like uh, trying to check the scores when I ran out to the bathroom. But yeah, no uh, Noah Khan. I'd never I never actually like really listened to him. I knew it was like a phenomenon, or you know he was he was kind of he's very I, popular with it with the young set. Yeah, he got. I think he got he got big during COVID or so, or something like that. I can't. I don't know the exact story, but I know my niece knows who it is, so it means he's big on TikTok. And uh, it was definitely a little younger crowd, like on the floor in in, in those seats for the taping. But it was uh, he was great. Like he was, it's uh, it was. I mean, it's very like folk folk music esque. It's got a little Mumford and Sons, a little kind of Lumineers feel. And and he's got. But I, I was looking him up, and he's got songs with everyone from, you know, Post Malone to to. Uh, uh, Zach Bryan, all these, all these folks. So he's he's doing it right. And he talked about when he came here in 2017, they had to cancel the show because they didn't sell enough tickets. And now he's uh, <laughs> playing the Moody Center next uh, next year. Oh, so pretty, pretty big cool. ascent. Well, you know, it's music is like sports. We talk about that a lot. That fans gather and uh, you know root on their teams. They gather and sing songs. And um, that's like Texas lost to Kansas two years ago, right? I mean, oh. things, things can change. Things can change quickly if you do them right. And it does feel like Steve Sarkeesian is doing just that. Uh, let's, let's start with those headlines. Let's get you caught up because the Longhorns and you fans out there would just soon not talk about uh, the game two years ago with Kansas. Neither would Sark. Let's hit it. Top Gun. Rentals and lawn equipment bring it to you. Start with the Longhorns. And yeah, what a difference a couple of years makes. It was only uh, 2001. Uh, when Kansas came to town and stunned the Longhorns 57-56 in overtime to put an exclamation point on a pretty awful 5-7 and seven season for Steve Sarkeesian in his first year with the Longhorns. Uh, of course, for Kansas, that was their only win over an F- FBS team that year. Uh, fast forward to this Saturday afternoon, the now th- third-ranked and 4-0 Longhorns host the 24th and 4-0-ranked uh, Jayhawks. And a critical Big 12 matchup at his weekly Monday news conference yesterday, Coach Sark was clear there really is no need for this current team to look back at 2021 for any motivation we've come a long way as a program and in a lot of phases you know schematically you know um, the roster the culture the environment at DKR we don't have to go backwards you know we're going to keep forging forward and you know we, we've got a, we've got a lot of goals that that we're trying to obtain this year and we're trying to reach uh, we recognize Kansas is a good football team but to 
try to make our guys feel bad for losing a game two years ago that it, that sucked for everybody. Uh, I don't I don't know what benefit that is. We got to focus on the task at hand, and that's playing this Kansas team because this Kansas team is a lot different than that Kansas team two years ago as well. Texas Kansas two thirty this Saturday. Also yesterday, Longhorn linebacker Jalen Ford named the Reese's Senior Bowl Defensive Player of the Week nationally. Eight tackles, one for loss. Also his second interception of the season in that game. Program also formally announced uh, something we probably knew: Red River Shootout game with Oklahoma in two weeks. That's going to be an eleven a.m. kickoff. NFL doubleheader of Monday Night Football last night to wrap up Week Three in Tampa. Eagles wall up the Buccaneers twenty five eleven. They improved to three and zero on the young season, joining Miami and San Francisco as the league's only undefeated team. Teams through three weeks. Jalen Hurts, 277 and a score through the air, one on the ground. DeAndre Swift uh, ran for 130 yards, his second straight big game in primetime for them. And Cincinnati Bengals posted their first win of the year. They held off the Rams 19-16 in a rematch of Super Bowl 56. Really the Bengals' defense had hounded Matt Stafford, sacked him six times, intercepted him twice. Both teams now 1-2. and two. Week 4 will kick off Thursday night with the Lions and Packers from Lambeau Field. Good game there. Light night in Major League Baseball, only four games, but boy, it included a pair of huge wins for the Texas MLB teams out west. In Anaheim, first-place Rangers made it six in a row. They beat the Angels 6-1. Adolis Garcia, Mitch Garver, Nathaniel Lowe went back-to-back in the sixth to uh, back a solid start from John Gray. Uh, Rangers maintained their two-and-a-half game lead over the Astros in the division. Astros, meanwhile, opened up a critical series in Seattle with a big win by that same score, 5-1. Houston got home runs from Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker. Justin Verlander allowed just three hits, took a shutout into the ninth. Astros extend their lead over the Mariners for the final wild card in the AL to a game and a half. Corn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. All right, somebody said, was that uh, Kansas game two years ago, the Bo Davis game? No, the Bo Davis game came after the Iowa State game, if you remember. Uh, and I know Texas fans just as soon forget. Oof. Uh, did, were you at that Kansas game, Shirley? I, I was not. I remember exactly where I was. That was what I was going to ask uh, is where you guys were. I was at the uh, Texas-Gonzaga basketball game. I went to Spokane because all my cousins went to Gonzaga. And I remember, I'll never forget it because at, I think it was halftime. I went to the bathroom, and uh, all the Gonzaga kids saw my shirt, my Texas shirt, and started uh, chanting, let's go Jayhawks, while I was trying to go to the bathroom. So that was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I, I'm pretty sure that year I was in – Denton, Texas, for my daughter's uh, sorority, there was some some big event that they were having, and um, it was early on in her college career, so we felt like we could go, and Texas was going to beat Kansas, and I didn't, uh, I, I begged out of doing any pregame or postgame for that to be a dad, but um, so I watched it on my iPad from the hotel room, because <laughs> that's the only way I could find Longhorn Network, <laughs> and uh, yeah, dang. Well, and somebody asked about the Bo Davis game. The Kansas game came the, the week after the Bo Davis game. Uh, Bo Davis did his rant on the bus, and well, well, think about this. And we'll, we played this earlier, but I think the Bears playing again. You know, the Bo Davis game happens. Your 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 season is floundering because remember that year the Longhorns didn't get off to a terrible start. They were they were five and they're four and one. Um, you know, they they had beaten Texas Tech handily. They beat TCU. They lost OU in that that uh, you know fifty five forty eight crazy game that the Longhorns led, but Caleb Williams came in and saved. You know, so things were off to a good start, and then they just fell apart. They lost to Oklahoma State the next week. Uh, then they lost to Baylor, another fourth quarter lead blown. They avenged that game last week for these these guys, and then they went to Iowa State and really didn't show up, and lost thirty to seven. 
and you know the losing streak was on. I mean, that was that one, two, three, four. Yeah, the six game losing streak. And so you thought with the Bo Davis rant that that would lead to some better football play, and they went out and lost to a two and ten Kansas team in overtime, fifty seven, fifty six. And you know, listen to Sark yesterday because you know he said he didn't want to use it as motivation, as you just heard in the headline. He doesn't think they need to. They're a much better team right now, and so is Kansas. But uh, he did say, you know what, might have been a good thing. Might have been a good thing for our program. Listen to Sark going uh, uh, waxing philosophical of what needed to happen to get the program to where it is today. We're a resilient group. You know, I think externally it felt worse to some degree. You know, it hurts to, to lose any. As a competitor, it's never fun to lose. I don't care if it's, you know, ping pong, whatever it is, man. If you're going to compete at something, you're trying to win. And naturally in that game, we didn't play as good as we would have liked. Um, they made some plays at critical moments. The game didn't go our way. Um, but in a, in, a, in a weird way, I'm kind of glad it happened, right? Because it exposed some warts in our program that needed to get removed. And if we hadn't removed those warts, we might not be where we are today in our program. And so sometimes, you know, not all storms come to, to, to cause, you know, issues in your life. Some storms come to clear the path. And I felt like that storm cleared a path for us on what we needed to do in our program to move forward. We're that? a resilient group. Not all storms come to cause damage. Right? And some clear, clear the path for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty – there's, there's a lot of depth in that. Well, but. there is. Well, and I think when you hear him say warts, I, don't, I think he was just talking about that we had to clear out players that didn't want to be here. Yeah. We had to clear out some guys that weren't buying in. And I think somebody will correct me. It, you know, if you if you connect the dots, and remember remember last year at Senior Day when Sark was talking about you know in tears almost about Roshan Johnson and you know talking about how at one point he stepped up and stood up in the locker room and started advocating for the coaches and became the the leader of the locker room. I mean, it very well could have been that Kansas game because Bo Davis goes on a rant of you guys are you know what happened to our four or five and one start here. We had Oklahoma beat. We couldn't close games, and, you know, it's the players that are going to rally, and then they go out and lose to Kansas uh, after the Iowa State thing. At some point, a player's got to stay up and say, stand up and say, enough's enough. Enough's yep. enough, right? You, I mean, the coaches can only say it so much, and uh, that, and then you hear Sark make that comment that, okay, we needed that to happen. We needed some, some player buy-in to where we were taking it, and then we can build something and get rid of the guys that, you know, go transfer portal. You're good. Go on. Good luck with your career. We're going to build with guys who want to be here. And we know there was a huge roster turnover, you know, after that season. And uh, we know that it's a, a dramatically different-looking team. And culturally and physically uh, and talent-wise at pretty much every position, Nick. Yeah, I, and I, I think uh, th- when you said it earlier this morning, like to, to realize that this was two years ago yeah. is, is crazy. And to think of all the heat that Sark took for his, you know, first couple years and, you know, trying to get things right and getting it to where it is. And obviously – Things are great right now, but it is it, it's impressive that he's done it in in that amount of time. And I think you know we've seen it just working with the kids of like these you know obviously the the older guys in the are, NIL realm. Yeah, yeah, the older guys are are completely completely bought in. But seeing the, these younger guys come in and having that example of the the older older guys in the room, but also these kids are winners. Like the kids that are coming into this program are winners, and they. You know they they see the big picture and they understand how it works and it's not 
it, it doesn't feel like it did a couple years ago, if that makes any sense. Like this team, this team is tighter. This team's more pro. This team comes to get work done. They're, they're, it's, it's, you know, hopefully things continue as they are. Obviously, these next two weeks are big, but, but it's a different feel around, around this program. Yeah. And again, I, someone myself has covered all these coaches, all these teams since the late 90s. So I've seen a lot. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the Sark first year was was difficult, and it was hard to get on the radio and defend a five and seven season <laughs> with one of the worst defenses in in the history of the program, with the first six game losing streak in the program in in fifty plus years. But you know, you heard Sark saying, "Look, we have a plan, and and we're not lowering our bar for players. We're, they're either going to rise to us or they're going to move on." And you know, you kind of had to go through it. I. You know, I've already compared it in parallel to what Brett Venables is doing at Oklahoma right now. That, that he came in and took his lumps in year one and went six and seven, very similarly. Because remember, Oklahoma last year got off to a three zero start and then went three and nine the rest of the way, and that fan base was not happy because, uh, of course, Lincoln Riley pulled the rug out from under him and they they hired Venables. But now you got Venables with a team whose defense is totally flipped. They're three and zero again, but look like a much more substantive team. They're ranked. And, you know, you got to clear out who doesn't want to be there. And I know Texas fans in that year of 2021 didn't want to hear that because they were they're just ready to win. Yep. <laughs> but winning doesn't just happen. You know, you don't just throw some water on some dirt and you have a rose garden, right? you got to <laughs> do some work here. And you got to till it and, you know, clean it out and, you know, start from scratch, which – Texas fans were were not wanting to do. Well, we'd heard it. We'd heard it from Mac towards the end. We'd heard yes. it from. We'd heard it from Charlie Strong. We'd heard it from Tom Herman. So hearing it again from Sark, I feel like he had the. You know, he kind of had the deck stacked against him. But now, when you see what actually happens, it also gives you a good perspective on what other coaches are going through. I mean, we we just played one. Aranda's Aranda's going through the same thing. But who knows what's what's going to happen there or what that looks like? But it it takes a while to get your teams in there. And sometimes when you get your teams in there. You're just not that good, but but Texas at like like now that Sark has his plan and things like that. You look at this squad of players like there's there's depth, Correct. there's talent. It's it's a deep team and, and it looks good for the future. You guys were talking about yesterday with Brandon Baker committing and those things. Like it looks like we're stacking up big for the next few years. We just need to keep taking care of business. Well, and look, you got to get the right coach, which I think Sark is. You got to get the right AD, which CDC is. You got to get the right president in place. There's got to be a line. And again, having done this 25 years now. I've seen it when it's great. I've seen it when Mac is aligned with DeLoss and DeLoss is aligned with aligned with Bill Powers and special things happen. It's also been a mess. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, again, you didn't hire the right coach and the, the right, you know, however it all played out. We don't need to revisit those things, but it, it takes all of it. Uh, but it does feel like that's where it's headed right now. But you got to go win football games. And, and this team is is built to beat the, you know, play the Kansas Jayhawks on Saturday. Uh Kind of like our tax code, right? I mean, I wish they just start. Like, you, you got to start over, right? You got to rip it apart. But on our tax code, we just keep ripping layers, putting layers on top of it. Just rip it up and start over. Go fix it. But I know Texas fans, because Charlie Strong had the cake is baked, and Tom Herman had <laughs> trust the trust the process, right? Uh, but you you, you got to let the, the coach that you hired, you know, build the team in his vision. It's why Baylor fans are frustrated with Dave Aranda right now because. It's going like one of the like Texas saw with some of their coaching hires uh, that he came in and won immediately with Matt Rule's players. But that team is man, that was a bad looking football team on Saturday uh, in all phases. It is one just because they had a backup quarterback. Uh, they were not even close. Remember that Baylor team beat Texas two years ago in that dreadful season uh, in that fourth quarter comeback. So. They have fallen way off. Texas is on the rise. So is Kansas, by the way. We'll talk about them all week long. We heard from Lance Leipold in the first hour. He's a really, really good football coach. And the two teams in the Big 12, I think, have the most 
um, the best offensive identities. They know who they are. They know what their offense is all about. They know who their quarterback is. Um, and they know how they attack people. Uh, and as you heard Lance Leipold say, if you're with us in the first hour, uh, defense has improved. Defense has improved. Big part of winning that that BYU game this past Saturday was the defense. Or some turnovers. De- Turnovers for their Kansas Jayhawks led to 14 points. Yeah, that helped win that football game. We so. can't sleep on their defense. I think that's that's the key. Is like that this you can't turn the ball over. You can't make those little mistakes, and and you can't give them momentum. That's that's the thing we did in those other games is let them take momentum. Well, and this will be a challenge for Texas this week. Is like they they've proven they go on the road, focus, lock in, and win big games because the Alabama game was a huge challenge, and they went up there and had no sacks, no pre snap penalties, totally locked in, played a hell of a game. They went to Baylor. And uh, my buddy Mike Craven, we recorded the Eyes on Texas multicast last night, and he was there, and he said, man, that was a great crowd. People, It was a blackout. He said, I've never been to Waco when it was that electric. It was a real crowd. Uh, best he's seen this year. Uh, and Texas locked in, and by halftime, the crowd had left um, because they had taken care of business. they got to do that at home. I mean, even Sark mentioned yesterday, you know, you come back and you're playing Wyoming after beating Alabama, and you have no pre-snap penalty there. You end up with four or five. Uh, here it's like guys we got to lock in at home like we do on the road and that's going to be the next step for this team is I no doubt they'll get up for the Kansas game I mean the Kansas game I mean for the Oklahoma game in two weeks I mean that's that's the game uh but this can't become a trap game do we have the cut uh T.Y. on uh, a trap game because he was asked at the very end of the news conference about could this be a trap game with Oklahoma looming uh and he was pretty adamant that no, no no and it was almost like he wanted somebody to ask that question because uh, could this be a trap? Because, you know, naturally, the game before Oklahoma, the game after Oklahoma is always one of those. Here's Sark yesterday saying, no, 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 that will not be the case. I appreciate that question. I feel like it was a setup, Ed, but so thank you. Thanks. Uh, I, I think this. I think this is a top 25 matchup of two undefeated teams, uh, both very good. Um, and in our mind, like we posted today, this, this is we're playing for first place. Right, and and our goal is to is to you know get to Arlington in December to compete for a Big 12 championship game, and this game is going to matter a lot in if we have that opportunity or not. And so this game has got our undivided attention. Again, we talked about it at length with the team this morning that that our focus is on the next mission, and and, and Kansas is the next mission, and they need all of our attention. They're a very good football team, and so. I don't feel that at all. I haven't heard one word about next week. And so that, that's a good thing. You know, it's not like I had to stop anybody anywhere to say, hey, no, no, no. Uh, our guys are focused, and, and they know what it's going to take. And all we have to do is turn the tape on of Kansas. They're, they're 4-0 for a reason. It's not by fluke. These guys are playing very good football right now. All right, there's Sark. And, of course, uh, coming up, I'm going to tell you why Micah Parsons and the Cowboys need to stop talking and start playing. I'm going to tell you that. But I want to tell you about our friends at Bud Light. Of course, they are the official domestic beer partner of your Longhorns, the Texas Exes, and that Texas OU game, which is coming up a week from Saturday. First things first with Kansas. Come on out and join us. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. Our two-hour pregame coming up Saturday, noon to 2, out at Mockingbird Saloon on Guadalupe, right there between 26th and 27th. Our great spot to start your day, get your tailgate going, got air conditioning, TVs, all the games on, and the icy cold Bud Light and those burnt orange cans. Come get you some and then head over to the football game. We'd love to see you out there on Saturday. Bud Light, whatever you're doing with your tailgate, get it all ready. Get it with the ice-cold Bud Light um, brewed by Texans. Four Texans right here deep in the heart. Only four great ingredients every single time. Whether you're having them at your tailgate, in the stadium, at home, watching the game, whatever you do, do it with an ice-cold Bud Light and hook them. All right, so Cowboys defensive end Micah Parsons. Um, I said this yesterday. 
I know that I know everybody's doing a podcast now. The Kelseys are doing a podcast. I do a podcast. You do a podcast, Nick. Everybody does a podcast. Um, but so we played yesterday, Ty. Tyreek Hill responding to Micah Parsons. And now we have this. So on an episode of The Edge with Micah Parsons ahead of their game in Carolina, excuse me, with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Micah Parsons said he was putting Arizona quarterback Josh Dobbs on his bulletin board, and he was going to be throwing darts at him on Sunday. Um, and can, can we play this? Because And then so Josh Dobbs did what you do now because the Cardinals went out and won the game. And Josh Dobbs outplayed Dak Prescott in the game. And Micah Parsons did sack him one time, but at the end of the day, scoreboard and uh, the way they punched the uh, Cowboys in the, in the nose was pretty impressive. Here is uh, the way this played out, and then Josh Dobbs on, on TikTok doing a troll video back to Micah Parsons. Josh Dobbs, I'm putting him on a bulletin board. I'm throwing darts at him. All right, so Josh Dobbs did. He was like dodging darts, and then he said, go Cardinals. Uh, can we stop this? Nick, I know it's today. These are the kid, kids today, young players today. Cowboys need to shut up and play, and that's what I'll say about the Eagles last night. They weren't overwhelmingly impressive, but they're damn good. They showed up on the road, and they beat the a previously undefeated team on their home field on a Monday night. I need the Cowboys to lock in and, and stop talking. As much. Yeah, I mean, 12 first half penalties is all you need to say. I believe they had 12. It was 11 or 12. And that's that's insanity. And like the lack of discipline, it just looked like they, they did not come to play that game. Like they, they just thought they were going to win. And I mean, that's the difference between, and look, I'm the biggest Cowboys homer there is, but the Eagles show up and they take care of business and it's not pretty. And the and I I mean I still I just haven't seen it from this Cowboys team. I was hesitant after the you know they beat two teams that are very you know mediocre now in my opinion, and uh, that and lost to a team that's actually you know pretty terrible. And it's it, we're going to see where this team goes. The team can't put the ball in the end zone, and then if the defense isn't showing up there, it's going to be a long year. <laughs> when I said it with the Eagles, they just they have an identity. And the thing you know when we made our our NFL picks and I picked the Eagles to to get back to the Super Bowl from the NFC. It's really because of Jalen Hurts. And then I hear Jalen Hurts, and I'll, we'll find this and we'll play it for you, his post-game interview. This dude's locked in. This, this guy's different. This guy, is, he's got, a, he's got a, a, a really strong winner's mentality. So last night after they win the game, he was talking about the things they didn't do right. He was talking about the interceptions, in which, you know, they've got to keep raising that bar. That's going to be a tough hill to climb. And I, this Dak Prescott thing, I don't want to make that the, uh, the, you know, the, the, lo- the logs on the fire, but, you know, what is the identity of their offense? The Tex Coast looked great for two weeks, or looked good for two weeks because the defense was elite, and you know you didn't really need the offense to be great to win. You know that. Well, what is that offense going to be? Is Tony Pollard the actual answer for for the running game? Uh, can Dak lead, or are they trying to coach around Dak at some level? And uh, those things are still in my in, in questioning. And now you got the Cowboys already talking and talking about dartboards and best defense ever. Look, we talked about that. That's our job. We can talk about that. The, the players, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, these guys, they don't need to be talking about that. I know it was a tough week with Trayvon Diggs going down, and then you had two, you know, two or three offensive linemen hurt. That hurts. I mean, you, but you still can go play, and you said it. The, you know, double-digit penalties by halftime. You give up 180 rushing yards in the first half. You just were not ready to play, and that's on McCarthy. That's on the coaching staff, and that's on the players. What you know what Dan Quinn said about it coming back, but man, that to see those two, because, again, if you're a Cowboys fan, you say, E, shut up. We're, you're you're going to be compared to the Eagles and the Niners all year long because those are the two other premier teams in your conference. Those are the teams you're going to be. That that's your bar. 
And both of those teams showed up in one game. So obviously, the Niners won the Thursday night game to start the week. Eagles showed up on Monday night and put it to the Buccaneers pretty handily. Uh, that's that's the standard. And you know, you're not a championship level team until you can play to it. And you just said it. You they played. They didn't show up to play that game. It was like the Longhorns against Kansas back in 2021, right? When you just because you put on the jersey and walk on the field, you expect to win the game. That's that's not how it works. Well, and they took advantage of that of, of like the Cowboys being overly aggressive on defense. I mean, Dobbs reeled off that what was it, forty some yard run on the first drive, and it was because we were so overly aggressive. And man, I don't I don't know. We'll see. I I, I hope this team gets it together, but it's it's going to be very interesting. It was yeah. almost at like certain points they were head hunting for sacks, and the Cardinals knew they were going to be yeah, doing let, that. let their over aggression yes. cost. Well, them. they used it against them, and it was it was uh, I don't know it was, a, it was a great game plan. And, I, I mean, because we were we were like ready to get twenty sacks that game. Yeah, well, and yeah, they're frothing, and then you take advantage of that. And they ran right at Micah Parsons, if you noticed, right? Yep. And we're not going to run away from the fastest defensive player in the league. <laughs> we're going to run at him. He ran right past him. Yeah, and he over. <laughs> I mean, he did the old J.J. Watt thing, who would do that a lot. He got himself out of position by over, you know, over committing. Called the one... falling off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, you know. I used to do it all the time as a defensive end. <laughs> so I, I would know. Set the edge, yep. Henderson. Yeah. Set the edge. Do your job. Or going inside when you're not supposed to because you think it's a pass, it's a run. You're, then you're in the wrong gap, and they run down more, yeah. more situation where he goes 50 yards for a touchdown. Yep. We'll come back. When we do, we'll pick up this conversation. Talk Eagles and uh, Bengals, who both got wins last night. More on the Longhorns. Nick Shuley is here. Rod Babers, congratulations to he and his wife. They are their parents for the first time as of last evening. We'll get you details coming back on Ian Rod B. Hook them up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I know when he's back with us, Rod Babers will appreciate your kind words on the Specs text line. He and his uh, wife had a baby last night, 8.14 p.m., 6 pounds, 8 ounces. Baby daughter, Rod said, name not chosen yet. They're working on it. Uh, Somebody said, since we helped name your show, can we help name Rod's baby? Have at it. Uh, I promise you I'm not sharing your names with him because he and his wife will make that call. But um, I will say that I do like the Beyonce Babers suggestion we got earlier. (laughs) And I also know Rod's a big Beyonce fan, and who's not? The Queen Bee. Yeah, she apparently threw up the horns the other night at a concert. But some people are saying it's the H-Town sign, but I didn't think that was the H-Town sign. But Nick Shuley is here. Uh, because I thought she had the thumb in. Nick Shuley is that's up H- in here. That's H-Town, right? Like the I love you sign? Uh, I, well, we're you should to know this, Aaron. This. Come on. I didn't know there was an H-Town sign. <laughs> I, I did not know that. He's not been throwing it up, apparently. I'm a Houston fan. <laughs> See, you guys, I, I, I always say, because people say that guy from Ohio. I lived the first eight years of my life in Ohio. When I was eight, we moved to Houston. And then I was in Houston from eight to 18, so 10 years. But I've lived in Austin since I was 18, and I'm 50 now. So I'm pretty much an Austin. You're an Austin. At this point. <laughs> uh, so I didn't know there was an H-Town sign. Now, I, guess having, it, I guess it's just this. I mean, the University of Houston is this. I know, the, I know the Cougars. I know the Cougs. Because uh, I did grow up watching Fi Slamma Jamma and uh, – the Bill Yeomans show on Houston TV when he was the head football coach at uh, at Houston. Uh, so, yeah, so with the formative years of my sports fandom, 8 to 18, I became Astros, Oilers, Rockets fans, I slam a jamma, but been in Austin since I was 18 years old and never left. So I'm claiming Austin now. Yeah, right? I think now, you're, you're a lifelong Austinite. Austinite. Yeah, I, th- I think you're an Austinite, honestly. Like Once you once you live here that long. What year did you move here, what would you say? What you, what, to Austin? Yeah. 91. 
Yeah, so you've, I mean, you've been here longer than I have, and I've lived here my entire life. <laughs> right. 91. So, 91. Yeah, I think it's where uh, you spent the most time is probably what you actually are. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously my eight years in Ohio and my 10 years in Houston were impactful about yeah. my development, but at the same time, uh, been here a long time and love being in Austin, Texas. Don't always love the traffic because I live out south, and Onion Creek is where we live. They've got it all, the construction they have along 35 there. It is a disaster out there right now. I'm just telling you, there's a wreck. There's a rear-ending wreck either direction once every two hours. Every day on the traffic report, it says that. And I'm always like, what is happening over there? I don't know, because because well, it's all torn up, so they have there's no shoulders, and it's kind of, it's a mess, and somebody not paying attention. But then, I don't know, it, it is. I mean, and then, so when that, um, this is just me belly aching. I'm sorry, on a Tuesday, because... But like I live in Onion Creek, and there's South Park Meadows, and then there's an HEB there on uh, on Slaughter and 35. And if there's a wreck, it logs. You can't get anywhere. We we I tried to drive to Torchy's Tacos on Saturday before the Texas game, before we went to do our coverage, and it's three miles from my house, and it took us 30 minutes to get Ugh. there because you just because everything locks up. Everybody, the feeder roads, everybody, no one can go. It is it is a nightmare. I can't imagine what you're doing if you're a first responder and something happens. You can't get to an emergency. It is a mess, and I know I'm not the only one. There's tra- there's construction everywhere. I'm not pretending to be, but you hear Don on the traffic every day. Always. <laughs> and it just becomes a parking lot in South Austin. You can't go anywhere, and and I know they have to do it. you got to build it. you got to expand the roads. I get it, but, man, it is. It is a mess out my way, but uh, you know. But I still do love Austin, despite all those things, and love that Nick is up in here with us, and love that Ty, that uh, Rod is a dad. So I'm just full of love today. Uh, Rod is a father, and I'm excited for him for that. Uh, that's interesting because I had my I was in my my middle 20s when we had our first, and then we had three pretty quickly. Uh, Rod is in his 40s, having his first, and his wife's in I don't like to say her age, but uh, <laughs> as first time parents, they they waited right. They they both found the right person and. You know, we I, I did mine pretty early, but it's exciting to be at that stage of his life and now having a child. So I'm excited to hear his stories. You're next, Nick. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think I'd be older than Rob when I had my kids, so we'll see. <laughs> says, E, you need to be worried about the Mariners knocking your Astros completely out of the wild card race. Oh, I'm worried about it, trust me. Uh, but the Astros did get the win yeah, last was night. a big win last night. JV, Justin Verlander, we talked about that championship DNA. I just, I'm just trying to figure out what the Astros – why are they so bad at home? I just don't. I nothing. No one. I don't have an answer. And I they're three games under five hundred. They're almost twenty games over five hundred away from home. And it makes defies logic. But uh, they're still. That was a big win last night to get that first one because the Mariners are now game and a half back. And remember, the Mariners and Angel, the Mariners and Rangers play a four game series to wrap up the year uh, in Seattle. So you know. Houston's still right there. I've said all along I would love to see both Houston and Texas make the playoffs and then we get a series between the two. That would be Me too. That's tremendous. What I, I think that would be a dog For fight. baseball in the state of Texas. And also props to the Rangers AAA team, the Round Rock Express. They're going to open up a series tonight in Oklahoma City in the Pacific Coast League playoffs. Uh, be cool to see them uh, make a run too. Rangers are making a run. They're hitting the, uh, the accelerator right at the right time with six wins in a row. Also last night we had uh, Monday Night Football with the uh, Buccaneers – Falling to the Eagles and the Bengals beating the Rams, um, you know the, the the best team on the field either field last night clearly were the Philadelphia Eagles, and they got a, a nice win on the road. Jalen Hurts doing his thing, uh, four hundred. And, and look about this: we had people texting us right off the show that saying the Eagles aren't as dominant this year as they were last year. Okay, <laughs> maybe they're not exploding on people like they did last year. I do think people are more prepared for them than, this year than last. But they went into Tampa Bay, who are a two and O team and ran up 500 yards of offense versus 170. 
Um, yes, two interceptions, and that's what Jalen Hurts was talking about after the game. Those two picks cost it from being a much wider score. But, I mean, you, you go on the road and play a, a decent team and out, out, uh, outgain them essentially 4-1, to one, uh, you're pretty dominant, Nick. You're pretty dominant uh, to take care of business like that for – and then I think the best thing for the for the Eagles is that this this DeAndre Swift trade is paying dividends that they made on draft night. In addition to all the Georgia players they drafted, um, now you tra- you trade with the Lions to get DeAndre Swift, and he sixteen carries, buck thirty. And we know they're built on the lines of scrimmage, Nick. They're just really formidable. And you're a Cowboys fan, so you're looking at that going, "E, that's not good." Yeah, they they they've separated themselves. I think. I mean, I think to me, at least this year so far, it looks like Dolphins are far and away playing the craziest ball of all. But uh, the Niners look pretty dang strong, and then I think right behind them are the Eagles. Like, but I, I think maybe partially that's because the Eagles kind of went ugly, and I think that's why we kind of put them as like, oh, they're not doing as well, or they don't look as good. But they've always been that way. But they win, and I mean, in the NFL, you know, all these games are so close. It's yeah, uh, well, they, I mean, they know how to win. If, you, and, if winning ugly means you rush for 200 yards, you 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 out you rush for more yards than you allow the opposing team on their home field. Uh, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and you know, my question for the Eagles going in is their secondary's been leaky. Uh, their secondary's been iffy. They, even in the Vikings win, the Vikings turned the ball over. That that was a week ago Thursday, the Thursday night game to start week two. And you know, the Vikings were in the game despite all the turnovers that they had. And because it felt like, okay, the Eagles aren't, you know, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, that you can get at this secondary. Well, Baker Mayfield couldn't last night. And uh, now that's, that's Baker. But they got Mike Evans and they've got Chris Godwin and they've got good receivers. He, he threw for 133 yards. They ran for 41. Mm-hmm. And um, Rod, if he were here and not holding his beautiful new baby girl, would be talking about that defensive front and their pressure rate. We told you about uh, Carter earlier, Jalen Carter. I mean, they're really good up front. And then I heard in the post game to Troy Aikman talking just how good he thinks that defense is, and that's the thing. And and the Cowboys, do they have an offense that can go up against that right now? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what the Cowboys' offensive identity is. I think we all are. I think it was covered up by their dominant performances in Week One and Two, where the, the offense was not relied upon. Well, guess what? In this game, where your defense didn't play elite, it didn't come to play, and you were down. Your offense was a problem. It couldn't bail you out. It, it you had your chances, but play calling, decisions, um, interception by Dak, uh, not being able to run the football. I know they had injured offensive linemen, but that's still a question for me of what the I don't I know what the Eagles are. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt no what they are, how they operate, uh, what they do. Still questioning what the Cowboys are offensively. Ty, do you know what their offense is all about? The, the Tex Coast offense. I I mean, whenever they. Before they got too far behind in the Cardinals game, they were they were doing a good job of running the ball. I I, I think the, through the first two games they were a little bit more consistent with that, and I, that's probably because of the way the defense was playing and the ability to kind of drain the clock and not have to worry about too much on offense. Um, but yeah, I mean it, the the identity is relying on the defense to to play the way they did in those first two games, like I said, and yeah. then run the ball. Yeah, the found, the Mike foundation. McCarthy's been talking about running the ball all offseason. We know that's hey, what look, they want to do. Hey, look, and I like Rico Dowdle through it. two games. I think he's yeah. a good player. I do like Tony Pollard. They do need to get their offensive line. I'm not talking about Sky is failing for the Cowboys. I just measure them against the Eagles. Yeah. I measure them against the Niners. Well, I think the foundation of the Texas Coast offense is actually built on field goals is what we're understanding. So we're, we're, we've are we been very successful. Well, you got a rookie kicker. <laughs> Dude, he's been great. He's been I, I gave up on him after his first kick, and he's been phenomenal. Well, look, it was one game, and it's not the end of the world. But yep. you're, you're going to be judged as a Cowboy player and team on your how you are measured to your toughest two other teams. And I'm going to say this. The 
my doubts for the Cowboys and why I don't fear walking to Dallas just yet is <laughs> everything showed up in that game. Mm-hmm. Will the Cowboys play consistently week to week? And will Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott make big calls and big throws and big plays in critical moments? Well, and the scary part is the no, Cowboys well, haven't— No, that all came to flow on, on Sunday against a team you should have beaten. And we haven't really played anybody yet. So that's that's the scary part is like once— I mean, we got the Niners next, right? No, New England. New England. Oh, well, that was Zeke's return. Oh, yeah, that's right. Zeke's return Sunday. I don't know I don't know if we know what the Patriots are. Here's what I know about the Patriots. They're 1-2, and two, but their first two losses were to two of the best teams in this league. They lost to Philadelphia, and they lost to Miami. And both games were competitive. Both were one-score games. So I wouldn't just just you know throw out the not the the Patriots. They beat the Jets this week, um, and it's Bill Belichick. That so, one's in Dallas. Arlington. It's Arlington. in Dallas. And then the Niners game is the following week. Yeah, and that one's in San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, so again, that's what showed up to me on Sunday was McCarthy making dumb decisions. She should have kicked a field goal instead of going for that the first time there in the red zone. That's dumb. Uh, and then you know just the red zone play calling. I don't, uh, uh, and you just didn't have your team ready to play. Uh, that's a challenge for me. Well, like, to me, what the Eagles did to the Buccaneers is what they should have done to the Cardinals. Go in there and wall up that team. Yep. Um, whether it's pretty or not, aesthetically pleasing or not, or you're perfect, you go in there and impose your will on a, on a team you're better than. Eagles did it. Um, Cowboys obviously played down and, and, and weren't able to, and then their head coaching decisions and their quarterback, you know, couldn't pull them out of the fire when it was time. That's a problem, uh, but not a sky is falling situation. Uh, still got a lot to see. Looking forward to that. New England coming to town. Always good to see the Patriots and Cowboys. Probably the two, is that right? Probably the two biggest brands in pro football right now. Definitely. I think the Patriots, while Tom Brady was there in his later years, they overtook the Cowboys. America's team. As America's team. I saw, I, I don't know if that was a poll or whatever. Well, I know the Steelers have a, a huge fan base. We Packers, see too. Packers are, are you know, coast to coast. Chiefs are becoming coast to coast because of the bandwagon. Pat Mahomes fans, Patrick Mahomes fans. Uh, but yeah, this will be a, a huge national type of game. And Zeke Elliott returns. Zeke did have 80 yards rushing last week against the Jets. Uh, they're giving him the rock. They're missing him in the red zone right now. I think that's fair. Yeah, we are. I think that's fair. <laughs> This says Cowboys can't stop the run, and the Eagles are running it well with Hurts, Swift, and Gainwell. Yeah, uh, Cowboys got to get that O line healthy, and then I got to see if they can run it. But you're right, the Cowboys had been stopping the run, but they didn't in this game, and that's exactly the uh, Eagles' identity. They lean into their physicality and their quarterback, and then they create big plays off of that physicality in the passing game down the field. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, and this uh, this DeAndre Swift showing up. I think he's an upgrade from uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, for them in that run game. Uh, we'll come back. When we do, we'll get some uh, bullish or BS with Nick Shuley in the house today. we got a NIL question for you. i got some NIL questions for you. Also, uh, Ty will weigh in as well. Bullish or BS coming next uh, on the morning that Rod Babers has become a father. We're excited for him on Ian Rod B. Hook him up. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook him up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Three weeks into the NFL season, there are three undefeated teams, the Eagles, Niners, and Dolphins. Time for bullish or BS here on Hook'em Up. Nick Shuley, who's in the house this morning, sitting in for Rod Babers, who's on daddy duty now and forever now for the rest of his life. Uh, and Ty Henderson is here. If I ask you which one of those 3-0 and teams are you most bullish on, most bullish on, and which one are you most calling BS on? If I ask you that question, how would you answer? Man, of the three and O teams, only three left. The seventy-two Dolphins are only worried about three squads. 
after three weeks of the season. Niners, Dolphins, Eagles. Oh man, I'm bu- I'm bullish on uh, just watching the Dolphins a couple times. They've been, they've looked pretty pretty impressive, and and they have Vic Fangio calling their defense now, which has improved. I I, I don't want to disregard the seventy points because again, I I can't. They're great. They're the best yeah. offense in football. Period. But as I said to Rod, the the the, the, the Broncos helped a lot in that game. Oh, they, they didn't they didn't fight. I'm not Broncos know. country. Let's ride. Thank you very much. <laughs> not bullish on the Broncos. They're zero and three, and the Sean Payton thing is not going well. Um, but so Ty, how would you put them? Bull, most bullish on, least bullish on those three teams. Um, I'm the most bullish on San Francisco. <laughs> least bullish on Miami. Is that because of Tua's injury history potentially? I just, I mean, we saw it last year. I, I just, I want, I want to see a little bit more before I'm. Well, remember, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. He I, does I think get it's fair to point out if Tua doesn't get hurt, they didn't lose a game last year that Tua played in and finished. Not one. They've been solid, man. And and I, yeah, I, I did watch both the Niners and I, I like they're both their games, and I think uh, they're or, really good. Well, I think they're good, but I like they're the only team out of those three that I, I'm still not convinced on. I think they're I think they're really good, but I'm also like they didn't look as good as I thought they would. If that makes sense. Yeah, that Rams game was not ultra impressive. Yeah, but they beat the Rams, and then they came back home, and who they beat in their home opener? They smashed somebody, right? Um, um, week three. Um, Oh, yeah, that's right. They've had three. They've had three games, and they yeah. started on the road. Went in Pittsburgh and beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh won both games since. Yeah. I would be most bullish on the 49ers right now, personally, because yeah. because again, since they traded for Christian McCaffrey, they haven't lost. Yeah. Uh, and with their quarterback stays healthy in that game, uh, hell, look, health is a, a factor for everybody. Cowboys know with Trayvon <laughs> Diggs and three missing offensive linemen, but um, but. Niners, they're elite at every level on their defense. They've got elite players. They're they're elite at every level on their offense. They've built this team. Their window is is now, and Brock Purdy has jumped in. I would put them as one. I got the Eagles two, and I'm going to put Miami three, just because the AFC is deeper. Like Miami's going to play at Buffalo Sunday. That'll be a hell of a football game. Bills embarrassed themselves with Josh Allen's turnovers on the the first game with uh, or that Monday night game when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. They just had no business losing that game. This should be a matchup of three and and0 teams, but Josh Allen gave that game away to the Jets on Monday night football. These are two really good teams. Can't wait to see that ball game. Uh, you no know, Niners and Cowboys will play in a couple of weeks. We get to see that. that. That would be my order, and it's only because of the Tua injury prone situation and the AFC is just I think deeper. That's fair. I think it's deeper. You still got the Chiefs. Um, you know, you still got the AFC North, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals will get things together as they go. Um, so, all right, uh, you, you're most bullish on the Eagles. You can't say that as a Cowboy fan, but I know you want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. But do do the do the Eagles and the Niners play this year? Does anybody know? Um, well, they are both first place teams last year, so I think they will play this year. That that'll be a fun one. Uh, so what? The, the NFC East plays the NFC West this year. Is that what it is? Is that why the Cowboys and 49ers are playing? Uh, let me look here. The Eagles do play the 49ers December the 3rd in Philly. Oh, man. That's going to be. December the 3rd in Philly, yes. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, and the Eagle, the, the Cowboys play all three, too. The Cowboys play the Dolphins Christmas Day uh, in Dallas. The Cowboys play at Hill. the Niners. Tyreek Hill says he's play, coming for Micah. And they play the Eagles twice because he is the cheetah. <laughs> that scares the life out of me. He is the cheetah. <laughs> he said he was a crossbreed between a lion and a cheetah. Uh, bullish or BS on this conversation? A reboot of the classic show The Office is in the works. The Office is in the works. Are we bullish or BS on this? It's one of those things that I'm really excited about that, or this sounds like the worst idea ever. 
Now, mm. unfortunately, there are no details except that it's being developed by the original showrunner, a guy named Greg Daniels. Bullish or BS? Greg Daniels a is reboot. Legend. Is he? Yes. He, okay. He did Parks and Rec, The Office, um, a few other things, but oh. I don't know. The farther I've gotten away from The Office since they've taken it off Netflix and I don't just put it on every night before I go to bed, <laughs> the less, I mean, it's still one of the best, was that considered a sitcom? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Sitcom. <laughs> You're so ever. young. I mean, yeah. I, we, I, don't, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm for it. I don't know if I'll be bought in, but uh, I mean, yeah, obviously, Office is going down my power rankings of shows. Why? Sure. I don't know. It's just when where, they took it off Netflix, oh, they I, took I don't know where to watch it now. Yeah. Okay. Did uh, do, you, do you have a strong opinion either way on the Office reboot, Nick? Well, I mean, well, the American one was a reboot of the British one already, Ricky Gervais's. So I, I don't know, man. Reboots reboots are tough, but if it is, you know, the person that did Parks and Rec and all that, that's they that's pretty good track record of of that. I don't know. I I just right away my instant reaction is BS on a uh, on a reboot. But because I haven't seen a lot of great reboots out there, well, I'm and, sure someone and will even prove me for wrong. me, when Steve Carell, I didn't watch one episode when Steve Carell left the uh, original. Yeah, not the original. You don't like D'Angelo Vickers? I didn't watch it, or not D'Angelo. Uh, I can't even What's tell you if name? I liked it or not. I just didn't. Will watch Ferrell's it. character? I don't think I made it that far. I, I think didn't I, I think I bailed before. I mean, it was a classic. Hila. But like just like any sitcom or any show, it's it was built on you got a perfect casting, right? You got to have the exact right cast, and then you got to. Because the original Office was perfect casting, right? I mean, every character was perfect. Yeah, the walk-on roles on that were oh. yeah, pretty star-studded. <laughs> like it was, it was Seinfeld, um, Friends, all these shows. I mean, it, it, Arrested it, Development. This says, guys, Comedy Central shows The Office daily. You think I'm watching cable? Oh, <laughs> the what are you? What, what are your? What, what are, am I? Rich are with you no Gen poor X? Heirs? Are you Gen X? <laughs> Gen Z. You're Gen Z. I'm one year off of being a millennial. Even though people, I had spoken a lady, like the Gen Z that you are. I had a lady yell at me, "You stupid millennial!" the other day, and I was like, "I'm Gen Z." It's even worse. <laughs> All right, coming up uh, now. We heard the Dan Lanning passionate pregame speech about clicks versus wins. We have something to for, to play for you coming back after our headlines. That maybe you see why Dan Lanning was so fired up, so fired up. The Colorado Buffaloes, who got their asses kicked on Saturday, were doing a lot of talking. Pre-game, taking on the uh, the the uh, the personality of their head coach, and it didn't work very good. We'll have that for you. Plus uh, the other headlines of the day, talking Texas, Kansas. It's a Tuesday on Hook 'Em Up with Ian Rodby.